Good morning. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday morning so far. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hope you guys are having a wonderful, fantastic Thursday morning so far and hope that this show will be just an enhancement to the day. Um, hope that you guys are able to delight yourself in the Lord as he gives you the desires of your heart and <clears throat> that he blesses your um, your path throughout the day, encourages you, strengthens you, and equips you to do all that God has promised you to do. And we're just grateful and excited to be among you one more time. Uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our word for the morning. Um, feel free to drop down in the comment box with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. Uh, there is no comment that is off limits. Just know that um, I may not respond to every comment right away. Um, so if you do have a question or a concern, drop down in the comment box and let me know what you're thinking. Um, and then just stay tuned. Um, I may not answer the question right away, but in time I will get to every comment that is in the box. Um, and so feel free to drop your comment in and then have a good day. <clears throat> Love y'all. Love you too. Um, and so again, drop down in that comment box. And if you have any questions, concerns, feel free to drop down in there. Um, but stay tuned. Um, I don't answer the questions right away, but I will at some point in the middle of the show get to every comment that is put in the box. And um, at some point we'll answer every question um, that comes in um, as it pertains to, um, you know, the Lord and what we are trying to accomplish here in, um, in, in him. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth on today. We ask, Lord God, that you just uh, decrease us all in flesh, that you may increase in spirit and render to us uh, your words of wisdom, your words of grace, your words of thanksgiving, your words of encouragement on today, Lord God, as we, the people of God, continue to grow in our knowledge, in our understanding, in our duty, in our delight in you. We ask, Lord God, that you just continue to strengthen our, 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 our weak our weak knees and strengthen our weak ankles that we may be able to walk this Christian race from one step to another and that you continue to mold us and shape us into the image of your son from one degree of glory to another. Lord God, we thank your son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross and rising again for us and crediting his righteousness to us that we may be able to call ourselves the children of God upon repentance and belief. We're asking God that as we go about this day that you just continue to strengthen and encourage us in everything that we say and do. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. Bless this show. Bless what it is meant to accomplish. And for those who don't have a walk with you, uh, may something that we say today touch and encourage someone who doesn't have a walk with you on today that they may grow curious enough about you to search you Lord God, and to seek after you and uh, go into that heart and just transform that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And Lord God, we'll be so careful just to praise your name for what you are accomplishing, accomplishing, because it's not of us, but it's all of you. All these things we ask in your son Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Um, going to go into Ecclesiastes chapter 11 to start our, um, our start our morning off today. Um, no, I'm sorry. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Chapter 12. Um, after all of the musings of, of King Solomon, um, 
Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, this is what he finally had to say about all of the vanity and all the chasing of wind and all that jazz. This is what he had to say at the end. He said, Besides being wise, starting at verse 9, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Um... So I have a, a, a small dog, and we're t we've we've got a huge backyard, right? And the backyard, as long as the gate is closed, she's free to roam and frolic and be free and dig holes and go nuts all day in in the backyard. Just, just do go go dog, you know, you know. Aside from the hawks that we sometimes are afraid of that used to live in our trees before the hurricane hit. You know, that was about the only thing that we were afraid of, that and snakes. Um, used to be really afraid of the snakes. Um, and so the dog, you know, and Crystal want to run around, hey, you go go ham, you know, <laughs> go do what you do. But the, the challenge is that when that gate is open, old girl want to run free. And when she wants to run free, she is in, uh, near impossible to hunt down. Like, she will not turn around and come back to us. No matter how many times we yell her name, no matter how many times we tell her to come back, no matter how, how fast we run, she just runs faster and keeps running in the opposite direction of the house. And we do our best to get in the car or we start walking down, we try to go calm, but unless she runs into another person or she stops long enough to want to catch her own breath, she is going to roam and run and go frolic and be free and not come back to us. And it is a pain, a hassle. And so what we've been trying to do for the past few days is we've been trying to, you know, train her to stay in the, stay in the yard, regardless of whether the gate is open or closed, to stay in the yard. <clears throat> now, needless to say, training hasn't been going all that well for the simple fact that, you know, for every time that we've tried to train her, you know, she's gotten more and more afraid of the training. And as a result of that, because she's already high strung and already have high anxiety, which is part of the reason why she runs so doggone fast, you know, she now lives in, she's now living in a state of panic and terror. And so we have to rethink how we're training her because we don't want her to be plumb terrified of us, you know, for walking out of the gate. We just want her to realize that safety is inside the gates, that if you go outside these gates, we are less capable of protecting you and less capable of being able to provide for you. And heaven forbid, 
some joker who can't see the streets looking down on their phone while trying to drive through the neighborhood sees a dog doesn't see the dog and the dog get run over because the dog just being a dog and so the the gates are there the 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 the, the fence is there to keep her from get from getting out but we're wanting her to learn that getting out going outside these gates when if you go outside the gates and you hear us call you come back home come back to safety come back to come back to where you are protected back to where we can provide protection for you because if you go outside these gates if you go outside these walls then there is no guarantee that we can keep you safe hey babe you still out you still in there you still in there can you open that window open the um the uh, the curtain over there for me um we can't protect you if you, if you if you're going we cannot provide for you if you go outside those gates that is the nature and the character of the relationship that we have with God that the fear of the Lord is not that we're supposed to be terrified of him far too often a lot of us believers live in absolute terror of God we're so afraid that he's going to strike us down with thunderbolts and lightning bolts and, you know, rain down hellfire on us anytime that we make mistakes or do something wrong. We live in absolute terror of the Lord. When we hear that the wages of sin is death, we are so plumb terrified that God's going to like, you know, uh, knock us in our knees or going to, you know, or going to make us feel as though, you know, um, you know, it's going to, you know, take our minds and going to, you know, have us to fall apart, you know, in our minds or he's going to, you know, he's going to cause some big calamity to happen to us by virtue of us not doing what he wants us to do. And so rather than having a relationship with him where he actually draws near to us, we push ourselves so far away from God because we are so afraid of what he'll do. If 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 we're found out of line with him, we treat God like he's going to punish us with you know with brow beating and beating us with sticks and billy clubs and whips and chains and we're scared that he's going to knock us apart. He's going to make us lose our minds. He's going to put us in some type of deep punishment. He's going to lock us away and then throw away the key anytime that we do something wrong. And because of that. Our relationship with God is such to where we don't we don't really know how to revel in the love and the communion and the connection that God is meant for us to have. Now, before I move any further in that, I also recognize that the pendulum has kind of been swung in today's culture in the completely opposite direction where God where we only want God to be about love where there is no fear of him whatsoever like we don't we we just ain't afraid of god at all like god is just a god of love he's not to be revered he's not to be renowned he's not to be um you know uh worshiped at all like he is our buddy he's our best friend he's just somebody that we hang out with there is no there is no fear of him at all and and so you know what we're what we're wanting to discuss and, and talk about today is the fact that the the fear that we are to have of the Lord is not of one that is talking about being terrified of him. 
where we are so, so we're, we're, we're stuck in this kind of this stage fright where if God sees me doing something out of line, oh no, he's gonna he's gonna take me down. But rather, the fear of the Lord that we are supposed to have with him is one of reverential fear. <clears throat> it's much like how we, you know, look at a a, a power a power outlet. We respect the power outlet, and when we use the power outlet correctly, it generates so much power. It allows us to be able to do so many things, gives us the ability to, you know, work our electronics and to communicate with others and to do a whole bunch of work and be able to see, you know, the darkness becomes the light. You know, there's so many things that we're able to do, be entertained, you know, when we respect the, the, the source and what it can do. But we sometimes can we can have a feeling of disrespecting the source as well if we take a piece of metal and decide to stick it into the outlet. Or take a pencil and decide to stick it into the outlet. And we end up feeling that jolt or feeling that shock because we've disrespected what that power outlet can do. And so, the, so there is a reverential fear that I have of the socket. I'm not so afraid of the socket that I won't stick what's appropriate inside the socket, but I'm also not an idiot and not going to disrespect the socket by sticking things that shouldn't go in the socket into the socket. Same thing can be applied to a stove. When used correctly, the stove can heat water up, can heat food up, can make great meals, can do all these things. But if I disrespect that thing and just act like, oh, you know, I can do whatever I want to do with the stove and stick my hand on that stove while it's on, burning, piping hot, it's going to burn my hand. And then, and, and do I blame the stove for doing the what the stove does? Do I blame the outlet for doing what the outlet does? No, it's me. I disrespected the boundaries by which this thing is meant to be respected. And so again, I have a reverential fear of the stove in so much that I'm not going to disrespect the stove by putting my hand on something that I know is hot. Because if it's hot, it's going to burn. If I know the power outlet's on and I stick something in it, I'm going to get shocked. I don't blame the, the, the power outlet for shocking me if I disrespected it. I don't blame the stove for burning me if I disrespected it. It's me. I messed up. I made the mistake. I disrespected the boundaries that were created by um by by um by virtue of the the stove and what it can do in that same way we sometimes we we, we have to have a reverential fear of the lord we have to know what god is capable of and god has allowed us through the scriptures to know what god is capable of we know that he is an, he is he is fearsome he is terrible. It's almost like, you know, being a JV squad going up against um the baddest football team in the NFL, the All-Stars, right? You know, so we have to be so ever careful that we're um that we respect, you know, what God what God is up to and we respect what he's done, right? But at the same time, you know, our respect for him is not such where we're like, oh, my God, God, please, you know, I'm just going to no. God wants us to be connected to him. He wants us to be close to him. He is the God who draws near. He is the God that is with us and he wants us to draw near. He wants us to come close. As it says in Exodus chapter 20, 
um, starting at verse 18, he said, Now when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, For do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick, thick the thick darkness where God was. God does not want us to be afraid and terrified of him, but he wants us to respect him as God. And as a result, his awesomeness is sometimes it's 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 unraveling it uh, it shakes us to our core but it's not to make us afraid of him to where we want nothing to do with him but rather it is to you know to, to for us to remember that God is not our homeboy like he is the creator God of all that he's the creator of all things and he is to be worshiped he is to be adored he is to be respected he is to be revered he is to be awed and as a result he may show up to us in ways that may scare the living daylights out of us but it's not meant to then push us away from him we are to be like Moses and draw closer to him and so what he so what he's saying here in these scriptures is that you know the fear of the lord the fear of the Lord at the end of it all, the awe of God, the ability to look at God in amazement and wonder, that is a reverential, respectful fear that we are all as Christians supposed to have. We should love God in such a way to where we are in awe of what he can do and we respect him for the God that he is while simultaneously um, being reminded that God loves us and he draws near to us by virtue of the Holy Spirit living inside of us we have we draw we've drawn closer to God than we will ever be able to draw like he is living in us like that it don't get no closer than that as far as God's proximity to us now the and so again the the challenge is for us to draw near to him you know, we'll sometimes draw away when God is saying, don't draw away, draw near, draw close, keep coming, keep pursuing, keep chasing, keep coming after me. Um, whenever we fall short or we go, you know, astray, God is saying, don't fall away, come close, draw near, draw closer to me. Um, Proverbs, um, where is it? Um... I had it. Give me one second. Um, here we go. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. I was thinking it was for chapter 10, verse 9. Chapter 9, verse 10. Actually, we'll start, um, start at verse 9. 9 and 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, 
you alone will bear it. The fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, the, the, the reverential fear of the Lord, recognizing God's greatness, recognizing God's amazement, respecting the power and the might of the Almighty God is the beginning of wisdom. In, 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 and it says, in, 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 um, in the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You know, the, 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 to, in all thy getting, get an understanding, right? And the fear of the Lord is where it begins. When we respect and honor and revere the, the awesomeness of God, that is the beginning of wisdom for us as the believers in God. Because again, we can have all the head knowledge of God and all the 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 and have all sixty six books of the Bible recognized, but even the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the Zealots they did that, and they still did not have a reverential fear of Christ, and as a result, they did not have a reverential fear of the Lord. They 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 rested on their wisdom and they rested on their zeal rather than resting on the power and the might of the Almighty God. And as a result, they didn't respect nor renown, um, you know, Christ when he was right there in their faces. The one that they've been prophesying about, the one that they have been learning about, the one that they have, you know, studied so hard to, to, to in awaiting that great day when he showed up, they missed him by a landslide. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom for us. When we respect God for who he is, respect God in his awesomeness, it gives us the ability to begin the begin the drawing nearer to him. If you've noticed for a lot of unbelievers, when they scoff, as it says in this passage, at God and scoff at his love and scoff at his grace and scoff at his mercy in their uh, in their in, in their attempt to try to understand, you know, who he is in light of their finite thinking and why we decide as believers to worship him we see that there, that that there's no fear of him there's no respect of him there's no desire to you know to hold him in high regard Anytime that we talk to people who talk about, you know, I don't understand why you're worshiping God or I don't understand why you love him so much, there is an absence of respect for him. There's an absence of being of revering him. There's an absence there. And more so than in generations past, do we see a total disrespect of the almighty God, both from unbelievers and believers. We have some believers who are, like I said, they've swung the pendulum so far in the opposite direction to where God is just all love. There's nothing to be afraid of at all. There's no fear to be had. There's no respect to be had. God, you know, is 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 just my homeboy. You know, he's not Lord. He's not Savior. He's my he's just my best friend. He's my boo thing. You know, we've we've we we've we've lessened our respect of what he is capable of and what he can do in 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 favor of a desire to just you know be placated to and to have all of our blessings be given to us somebody said it like this a lot of our um worship songs that we sing to nowadays in church you know a lot of those songs you know they're absent of you know talking about sin and absent of talking about you know um you know what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross it's absent of you know of you know of 
us being humbled, you know, in such a way to where we recognize what Christ has done and, you know, recognize how far we've fallen from missing the mark of who he is and how gracious he has been to us and how grateful we should be that he spared our lives long enough to give us an opportunity to 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 know him and to love him and to cherish him and to honor him that he's taken out the heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh nowadays most of the songs that we hear um and particularly in the black church but we we see it we, in in the black church but we also see it in in other churches as well um of 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 other races that you know more so we hear more about blessings of god and you know being first in line for miracles and blessings and you know god you know we got blessings with our names on it and you know you know, God loves me, you know, God's so in love with me, you know, we, we don't hear about, you know, the awesome, powerful, terrible might of the almighty God, and so we don't respect him as God, we respect him as a genie, we respect him as, you know, as our butler, we respect him as our banker, we respect him as our stockbroker, in which we do all of these things in an attempt to open God's hand and pour out blessings that we won't have room to receive. And we channel all of our energy and effort and might into saying, look at me, God, I'm worshiping you. Will you bless me now? So again, it's, it's not just the unbelievers who've lost respect for God. Believers have lost respect for God too. We've lost our fear and lost our awe of God and wonder sometimes why we don't feel a great movement of God or why we don't feel a great awakening of God and the only breakthrough that we that we see that we call a move of God is when the dollars in the church have raised to a significant degree and then as that if that is as if that's the only benchmark to determine whether or not God is actually moving in this place like we we're missing a reverential fear of the Lord that, you know, that actually calls the spiritual breakthrough for a lot of people where there's breakthrough of peace, breakthrough of um of deliverance, or there's breakthroughs of, of joy, breakthroughs of happiness despite circumstances that where there's where there's actual, you know, miracles of the soul where even if the times are hard for people, that they still have peace and they still have joy and they still have thanksgiving. We're missing we're missing a tapping into the almighty power source because we don't respect the power source for what it is anymore. Like instead of us actually revering God and as being the one who walks with us walks with us through the valley. Instead, it's all about God, gimme, 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 gimme. I'm worshiping you so you can gimme, 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 gimme. And as a result of that, again, we we are we're we're disconnecting ourselves from an almighty power source that is meant to give us the um give us the path give us the paths of life. Psalm chapter 16 says to us in verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure 
for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I got to read the whole thing because that, that just really blessed my soul. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Oof. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that what David is telling us as the believers is that we can trust and rely on God that he has set the boundaries before us. And if we adhere to the boundary lines that he's drawn, the, the grand designer of the world, if we adhere to the boundaries of which God has set before us, then we can have the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, and the fullness of life right here on earth in preparation for what's coming. For many of us, our problem is that we think we know better than God. And so we want to define what the fullness of life is supposed to be. We want to decide what it is that it, what it means for us to be, you know, um, this, that, and a third. And we don't want to adhere to what God has to say. We call God a tyrant. We call God misogynistic. We call God a bigot. We call God hateful. We call God spiteful. All because he has set the boundaries for us. And in these boundaries, he says, this is how human flourishing is supposed to be. If human flourishing, if if is if if it's if gone about the way that I design it, this is the path to life. This is the path to peace. This is the path to joy. This is the path to prosperity. This is the path to you know to love. This is the path to you know relationship. This is the path to you know any and all things. I have designed the world to operate in a specific way, and these are the guardrails. These are the get boundaries. These are the gates. These are the fences by which if you operate in this playpen, you can have the fullness of life. Our problem, much like, you know, my dog, you know, is that once we, we, we see everything else that's out there. I was, I've been, I was, I watched Lion, the Lion King long, long time ago, memorized the whole movie in my head. And in the movie Lion King, Mufasa's talking to Simba. Mufasa says, you know, everything the light touches is the is is our kingdom everything the light touches is our kingdom and what does god say to us you know we are to dwell in the light we shall not dwell in darkness 
you know, a perfect, perfect, perfect love cast out fear. You know, there is no darkness and light. They don't mix together. He says everything the light touches is our kingdom. We have an expansive, exhaustive kingdom that God has given to us and secured for us by virtue of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return. God has credited us with righteousness, a righteousness we didn't earn, a righteousness we can never work to achieve. He credited us to us freely upon repentance and belief, denouncing um, all allegiance and affections to other gods and setting God as uppermost in our lives and believing in everything that God says, everything that God does, the loving what he loves, hating what he hates, and being in, upon repentance and belief that we have our inheritance in the kingdom and the inheritance is expansive. But God is also saying, check the boundaries, check the guardrails. Just like um, Mufasa told Simba, the bad lands, there where there's darkness, don't go over there. That's not that's not meant for you. You're not ready to handle that. You're not ready for that. That's not our kingdom. That's not where we go. Don't go that way. But what do we as people do with our curiosity and our desire and I want to do things my way and YOLO and all the other type of stuff? We want to step over the boundaries. We want to step o step across the lines because ooh, what's that? We're no better than Adam and Eve. That's why we. That's why I always say we can't blame them because even though we know they messed up, guess what we do? We do it too. Outright rebellion against God, outright um, um, sinning against God, outright disobedient to God. So we we want to blame Adam and Eve. Oh, it's all they fault. Nah, bruh. Even though we have the knowledge that they messed up. And fell, fell out of line with God, we do the same thing. We've done the same thing in outright rebellion. And I tell you this all the time, especially for us believers. In order for us to do what we want to do, we're going to have to step over the cross to do what we want to do. And so just like Simba going to the Badlands where darkness is, we too want to go into darkness. The scripture again tells us where God has put those lines that is where that's where the pleasant places are for us. If we adhere to the boundaries, if we adhere to where God has placed these lines, then we can have the fullness of joy and the fullness of life and the fullness of peace with God. But anytime we step over those boundary lines, anytime we step over those guardrails and think that we know better than God, we know more than God, I know what makes me happy. I know what brings me joy. I know what brings me peace. I know what brings me satisfaction. I know what's going to satisfy the longings of an eternal soul. We walk into danger. As it says in verse um as in verse 4 of, of of chapter 16, the sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. For those who decide they want to follow after another God, that they want to follow after themselves, that they want to do what they want to do, they want to do it how they want to do it, even picking apart scriptures to manufacture in another type of God that isn't God, the, the Bible's telling us you know, the, the, their sorrows are only going to multiply. We said this yesterday. You got a lot of good people who are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
because even their goodness can is is coming from a bad heart it's coming from a heart of stone coming from a heart not transformed and though they may think that they're getting that they're that they have that they're living the good life that the good life um you know it's only going to last in this life but it's not it's not preparing them for the life to come it's not in preparation for the life to come and so again we got to be ever so careful that we are as believers in God adhering and sticking to the boundaries and the guardrails that God has set before us because in those places that reverential fear of God that respect of God that is where peace is that is where joy is that's where hope is that is where love is um, I'm reading this book called delighting in God and the writer said on page 80 A.W. Tozer said this we must warn people today that if they have an imaginary Christ and are satisfied with an imaginary Christ then they must be satisfied with an imaginary salvation that seems to be the bottom line with us. Our salvation is no better than our perception of Christ. If that perception is flawed, our salvation is also flawed. In our world today, there are many Christs, many Lords, and many Gods. We have a knack for dreaming up a God of our imagination that satisfies us at the time. However, our, our message is that there is only one Christ. And those who follow Christ have an attachment to him that is an intellectual attachment. That is, they know Christ theologically. There is the romantic Christ of the female novelist, the sentimental Christ of the half-converted converted cowboy, the philosophical Christ of the academic egghead, the cozy Christ of the effeminate poet, and the muscular Christ of the all-American athlete. We have these kinds of Christs, but there is only one Christ. And God has said about him that he is the son. He said, I would never have anything to do with any book or any movement or any religion or any emphasis that does not begin with Christ, go out from Christ and return to Christ again. The Christ of the God, the Christ of God, the Christ of the Bible, the Christ of Christian theology, the historic Christ of the scriptures. He is the one. So we must have an intellectual attachment to Christ. You cannot simply let your heart run out to Christ with some kind of warm feelings about him and not be sure of who he is. This is the essence of heresy. We must believe in the Christ of God. We must believe in who God said he is. And so again, if we don't have a reverential fear of the Lord if our relationship with God is devoid of any reverential fear respect honor of who God is and what he is capable of what he has accomplished in this world and what he's continuing to accomplish in this world then we are more than likely not going to have a full enough picture of who he is and that not full enough picture is enough to sway us away from him and to sway away from the boundary lines that he has set before us 
so that we are then able to enjoy all that he has given us. God has given us so much, much like how he gave Adam and Eve everything they could they, that they needed, everything they could they could have asked for. And he put a boundary in place saying, don't eat of this tree. The, the boundary was set. Just don't eat of this tree. You have everything else in the world that you want. Just don't eat of this tree. Much like the Badlands and the Lion King. Just don't go over there. Just don't go. Just like with my dog. Don't run out the gate. There's Again, we don't want you... We don't want... To, God does not want us to be afraid of him. And in living in fear, we're not able to enjoy life with him. He doesn't want us to live in fear of him and terror of him. Of like, oh my God, I don't want you to kill me today. No, all that got settled on the cross. You don't have to be afraid of him. He just wants us to respect him and respect the boundary lines that he has set before us when he tells us that, you know, he's made known to us the path of life. Like the, th the funny thing about, you know, our walk with God in today's age is that people act like God is so, is so mysterious. Yes, God is a wonder, but he's made himself plainly known to us in such a way to where we are without excuse. He's made himself known to us if we just open the word and just get to know him. We'll open, open the scrolls and just get to know him. Again, the Bible is not just a list of do's and don'ts. It is a picture of the character and nature of God as set forth as, as as he set forth his gospel message for all who will believe and from genesis to revelation you're seeing picture after picture after picture after picture of the gospel of jesus christ you can take one you can take one verse of scripture and find find the gospel in that if you know how to look and so god is saying if you don't know me open the book and get to know me don't just memorize a bunch of scriptures, a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is not do's and don'ts. The point of the gospel is Christ did it. So we can be credited with it to then walk it out. That is the point of that's that's the point of the of, that's one of the major tenets of the gospel is that, you know, religious do's and don'ts don't get you into the kingdom. It's Christ done that gets you into the kingdom. But we don't, if we don't get to know him and get to know his scripture, then we find ourselves in a place where we don't get to know the awesome, terrible might of God and how it's that God who has said, draw close. Don't be afraid of me. Draw close to me. Draw near to me. Come here. Come close. I, I want you. You know, I made you. I designed you. You know, and I designed you with a gaping hole in the pit of your heart, Ecclesiastes 3.11, and it can only be filled with me. <laughs> it's funny. Why, why would I put a gaping hole in your soul and then, want to, and then run away from you if I'm the only one that can fill the soul? Make that make sense. No, I want you to come close to me. I'm the living water that never runs dry. I'm the bread of life that if you eat, we will never go hungry again. You know, I am the, the one who sets the path before you. So, yeah, I want to walk with you. I want to be above you, but beneath you, inside, outside, everywhere. And so, 
you hear the knocking on your heart, he's saying, let me in. Don't be afraid. Because again, that's not the type of relationship that God wants to have with us. But again, on that flip side, don't be so in love with God that you're making God your boo. He is not your boo. He is your Lord and Savior. And he deserves a little bit more respect than that. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank you guys for the 1,100 um, likes so far that we've gotten on the show. I'm going to now scroll through these comments. You guys have been on one since we got on today. So I'm just going to scroll through the comments and see um, what's going on in the comments. Um, don't know what's going on there. Um, go ahead and knock that off. Um, let's see. Let me scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, shoot. I forget it does that. I'm going to go all the way back to the top. And then start coming down. Okay. We started up. That's the top. All right. Start coming down. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Thursday so far. Hope you guys are waking up and getting started with your day, as am I. Um, Isabella said, yes, I'm glad you are sharing them. Some people have the wrong idea when it says fear the Lord. You got that right, sister. Got that right. Mm-hmm. Um, who, uh, love everybody says, who believes in something you can't see? Folks are brainwashed rather than taking responsibility. Um, so, let's see if I can find it. find it. Let me see. Um, no, not that one. Here we go. Okay, so John, not Luke. There we go, 20. Okay, here we go. Um, John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after Jesus resurrected and had appeared before um, his disciples. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Can imagine them jokers were probably terrified, but they didn't put that in there. You know, I would have been. Oh my God, you just showed up out of nowhere. That can't be doing that. God, at least not. Um, then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, 
Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said it himself. We haven't seen him. And yet blessed are we who believe yet haven't seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, we haven't seen the Lord face to face. You know, if he's appeared to us in a vision, you know, I, I believe I've seen him once in a vision. You know, I can't make heads and tails of it. You know, I ain't out here trying to proclaim I've seen the Lord, you know, so I ain't out here trying. I feel I feel like I have once, but. You know, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. And I ain't got no verification of it whatsoever. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but even then, like, I don't need to see him in order to believe in him. He tells us plain as day, you haven't seen and yet still believe. You, 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 and you're blessed if you haven't seen and yet believe. You know, we, as we're walking by faith and not by sight, are the things that we are believing in, are not scientifically empiric datally you know um based it's, it's our, our the faith that we have in God is not something that we go to scientists and look for data and proof for that's not the point of the exercise the, the, there's a lot of evidence out there that do, that does prove his existence but that's not the point of the, the exercise you know nevertheless God will meet you where you are if you will allow him the opportunity to show himself to you, if that's what you need, if if in if he decides that's what you need in order to believe in him, the thing I love about God is that God will show up in however form he needs to show up for who for the person that he needs to show up for in the way that he needs to show up so that we will believe in him. And for every person, that's different. You know, some people can't hear him through a sermon initially. But they'll hear him through a song. They can't hear him initially through a sermon, but they can hear him through a car accident. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and being spared their entire lives, you know, from that car, from, from being, by being killed in that car accident. Like, God will show up in all sorts of kind of ways so that we can believe in him. You know, it does, but again, if you're looking for empirical face to face I need to see him like he's like I'm talking to you right now God is not obligated to give himself to show himself in a way that is palatable to any of us unless he decides that's what he wants to do so change the heart of stone into a heart of flesh that's God's work and so however he decides to show himself he shows himself but again God has told us himself, blessed are you if you haven't seen and yet still believe. The things of God and the nature of God and the character of God is spiritually discerned. And no one has seen the spirit much like no one sees the wind. We know it's there because we, you know, we, we see the, the leaves blowing and we see the grass blowing and we've seen trees get knocked down by it. But we still don't see the wind unless there's something in the wind 
that allows us to know that it's windy. And so if there was nothing outside to blow, the wind would just be wind. But we know it's there. And the spirit is the same way. We, we may not see the spirit unless God gives us that eye in a moment to see the spirit. And if so, you know, I hope that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, you're not burned, you know, alive. Like, you know, some folk who tried to see God and got burned alive. Um, but, um, you know, if you are blessed to see, but again, even in, even in seeing some people still don't believe because there's some people who saw Jesus come back from the dead. They still didn't care. They didn't get their heart. They did not get their hearts, did not give their lives to God, did not give their lives to Christ. And so even if you see him face to face, still no guarantee that you're going to believe in him. That's why it's a, it's a heart transformation. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, most of us are not going to see Jesus face to face until we meet him in the light to come. So God tells us we're blessed, not because we have empirical data that proves the existence of God, that we've seen this man face to face, but we're blessed because our hearts have been transformed by a loving God who came into this space and it took out the heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. And we now love, cherish, honor him. And he did that work in us. A lot of us as um as unbelie as um as unbelievers as I'm sitting here musing about that I wonder and maybe y'all can answer the question for me. I don't know. What do you really think faith is about? Like what is it that you think we're believing God for? Like cuz I see somebody cuz cuz I I'm still sitting here looking at your comment and it says are brainwashed rather than taking responsibility. I don't understand what that means. Because in my in the faith that we have, we got to take hella responsibility and accountability for everything that we do. We 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 have to. Like we, we God holds us accountable for everything that we do. Um and so again, I asked the I'm asking the question for real for real, like I'm not playing a game, like I'm not out here trying to mock what do you think, and this is for the unbelievers, so if you're a believer, don't try to answer this question, because I'm not talking to y'all. For the unbelievers, the ones who, you know, scoff at us, the ones who mock us, the ones who think that we're following a white man's religion, the ones who think that we're stupid, that we're brainwashed and all this stuff, why do you think we're following Christ? Like, what do you think is our, re is, is our rationale for following Jesus? Uh, because, again, for a lot of people, you know, you, you, we, 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 a lot of people make Christ out to be some adventure, some treasure hunt, as it were, of trying to figure out the Da Vinci Code, who Christ is and, you know, where the secrets are buried and all this other type of stuff. And because there's no evidentiary proof of his existence we must be believing in, in fairy tales and you know and so again what do you think we're believing in him for what do you think is the reason that we're following god like you know what 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 do you what do you think is happening 
in our lives that make us want to believe in him and in doing so you know help me just to have a, a better understanding of that may not respond to the comments y'all give if y'all do decide to answer the question today but i do i will write them down for sure um when this show is over because i'm just curious to know what your thoughts are about why you think we follow after god you're watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tick talk live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time uh thank you guys so um much for the um <clears throat> for the um for the uh 1200 likes that we've gotten so far uh we're certainly thankful that you guys have thought of not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys on today um isabella appreciate the appreciate you um say you said trying to be more open-minded uh, maybe you'll find something you're missing. I like that. Like that. Um, let's see. Um, okay. Let's see. Nonic Namer said, "You mean wanting the truth?" I don't understand. Um, Eve wanted power. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Right. Somebody said America was fine without foreign for, foreign fairy tales. Um, last I checked, the United States was founded on the basis of religious liberty and freedom. That was like one of the tenets. Like they wanted to be able to worship freely. Like that was one of the reasons that they came over here. One of many reasons, but one of the reasons why they came over here and why they wanted independence, they wanted to be able to to, to worship freely and and not, um, and not be told how to worship. And so, you know, those fairy tales that you're referring to were actually some of the underpinnings of our of our American democracy. So, there's that. Um, let's see. Swine Lord says there is no kingdom. We don't live according to scripture. Just another self-confirming Christian rambler. Um, let's see. Jesus is King says, I have a prayer request for healing for anyone willing to pray for me. My name is Jordan. Jordan, we got you back, buddy. We got you back. So I'm going to put this um, down, writing it down for you right now. And at the end of the show, consider it handled, my brother. Hope you're doing well.
Okay, so I'm going to let um, Swine Lord continue to um, do whatever it is that he's talking about um, in the comment box for a little bit longer. But while y'all are going on and on about all of that, um, I want to talk to y'all today um, a little bit about breaking bad habits. Um, I've been reading this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's been, been very insightful. Um, in terms of a, 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 a very clear approach to breaking um, bad habits and creating good habits. Um, and, you know, as I'm reading throughout the book, you know, I looked at um, how this could be applicable to um, Colossians chapter 3. Um, and so I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3 for you guys and then, um, and then show you what I was, show you what I was, what I saw. Um, um, as it pertains to sanctification. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and with it its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on there then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything and binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. I want to go now to Galatians Galatians chapter 5 starting at verse 16 I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, th and, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying, um, envying one another. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that, the, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so, um, one of the things that we as, a, as we as the believers in God, I'm talking to the believers, talking to my homies, talking to my brothers and my sisters. One of the things that we have to remember as the people of God is that we are in active warfare every single day. We are in active warfare every single day. I was talking to somebody yesterday and she said that she had, was, has had struggles with being delivered from her addictions. And she feels sometimes that she's not a Christian because some other people who, when they became part of the kingdom, they instantly were, you know, um, uh, were rid of all of their passions, all their lusts, all their addictions, all their problems, and they're now walking out and living for God. And thank God, hey, I, God bless you if that's your testimony. As I said to her, thank God for them. Thank God that God allowed them the testimony to be able to say, once I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't want that stuff no more. Hallelujah. But for most of us, the regular folk, <laughs> the walk of trying to get rid of our um, addictions and our problems and our issues and the things that are not of God, that is a struggle. And it is a struggle for some of us that we'll be dealing with from, from now till kingdom come. And so the question and challenge becomes, how do we as the believers practically go about creating and establishing new, um, new and better habits for ourselves that allow us to be able to walk out our relationship with God to where we're no longer doing the things that we used to do that are not like him and we're doing the things that we want to do in him. We are truly delighting ourselves in God and not just delighting in him because it's the right thing to do. We're doing it because we want to. We're doing it because we love it. We're doing it because we cherish this more so than we do the things that we used to do. As we said before, and I'll say to it blue in the face, 
initial repentance is a denouncing in the heart, a denouncing in the heart of an allegiance and affection to all other things and setting God at the uppermost, setting Christ at the uppermost, the Holy Spirit at the uppermost and saying, I now believe I, I want I love God and I want God more so than anything else in this world. So I'm turning away from all those things and turning my head and face and mind and heart and spirit and soul toward him. And so if we have been then raised with Christ, if we put sin to death and we've been raised with Christ, we put our bodies to death and we put our desires to death, put our passions to death and we've been raised with Christ, we are to seek those things that are above. That is our initial repent. That's initial repentance and belief is such to where we're making the declaration that I am seeking after Jesus. But that initial declaration is not a cure-all. The cure-all isn't coming until Jesus comes back. And so while we're still here in these earthly, in these earthen vessels, we are still uh, dealing with sin, dealing with flesh, dealing with the devil, dealing with the world. We, we're still dealing with this stuff from one day to the next. And so for some of us, the struggle is going to be difficult. For some of us, the struggle is going to be easy, but all of us got a cross we got to bear because we are, we, are, we, are, we are instructed by the Lord that we got to die to self, die to our desires, die to our agenda, die to our wishes, die to the things that we want in this world as it pertains to being trying to supplant the almighty God. And so what we then have to understand and unpack, which is kind of the first and biggest step is, what is it that these things that I loved, what were they giving me? There's a book. Um, give me one second. I don't because I can't remember the. Um, I think his name is Bruce Bowden. I think. Um, I think it's I think it's Bruce Bowden. Um, rewire your heart. David Bowden. There's a book called Rewire Your Heart by David Bowden. Rewire Your Heart. It's a blue book with um, a whole bunch of blueprints on it. Rewire Your Heart by David Bowden. In that book, he says that when we look at our sin and the things that we love and the things that we want that we did that were not of God, we have to boil it down, break it down into its simplest parts and ask the question, what were the things that I were doing that I was doing? What were they doing for me? What, what, what was I getting out of it? What was I looking for? What was I longing for in those areas and in those spaces? Um, there's another book um, by, uh, by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. He, he, then he does the same thing. Rather than trying to do a bunch of things, trying to do, 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 I'm trying to break this habit, break this habit, break this habit. It, we got to start with why. Why are we doing what we're doing? What is what we're doing doing for me? And so when we're looking at pornography, what is that doing for us? When we're having, you know, sex with any and everybody, you know, what is that doing for us? What, what is it that we're trying to get out of that? When we're, you know, um, taking drugs and we're shooting up drugs from one day to another to another, what is that accomplishing for us? When we're climbing ladder after ladder after ladder on the path of success, what is that doing for us? When we're 
you know, jumping from one relationship to another to another, jumping from one friendship to another to another. What is that doing for us when we buy a car one day and then the next day we, we, we already are dissatisfied with the car and want a whole nother car? What is the accumulation of things doing for us? What is mindlessly playing the video games? What is that doing for us when we um, are, you know, so um, heartbroken by our sports team, you know, not winning the championship or not winning the game and where we're, we're trying, we're destroying our TVs and we're not talking to our friends for a week and all this other type of stuff. What is, what is that football team doing for us? Like, those are the things we have to begin boiling down. What is doing this accomplishing for me? I even take it so far as going to church. Like what, like, what is going to church doing for me? What is reading my Bible doing for me? What is trying to rub elbows with pastor and bishop and deacon? What is that doing for me? What is, you know, being so consumed with going to this service and that service and this service and that service to where I'm neglecting my family and neglecting, you know, family time and all these other things? What is, what is doing all these religious works? What is that doing for me? When we're able to then boil down and break down the why, we can then submit that why to Jesus and ask him to become the thing that satisfies the why. And so now, as I say that, I am not saying that Jesus should be giving us orgasms. So let's not so don't so please dismiss me with any type of crude nastiness in that regard. That's not what I'm saying. And and I think y'all know that. But there is something to be said about what getting or what is getting an orgasm doing for me. It's bringing me some type of peace, bringing me some type of joy, bringing me some type of um happiness, bringing me some type of satisfaction, feeling some type of longing. Whether it be connection with people, whether it be um, uh, numbing away pain, whether it's, um, you know, um, you know, dealing with, you know, stress, whatever that whatever that thing is that we're using this thing for in a way that is um, that is um, not glorifying God. And so when we're able to boil that thing down to figure out, I'm, I'm looking for my identity. I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for closeness. I'm looking for, you know, a way to numb the pain. I'm looking for a stress reliever. I'm looking for, um, you know, um, uh, uh, satisfaction. I'm looking for, you know, whatever that thing is. When we submit it to God and ask God, like, this is, this is the issue. This is, this is the issue I'm dealing with. You know, there was something that happened to me when I was a young child, and this is the way that I've been coping with it this entire time. And, and now, you know, I'm dealing with the trauma of those issues and what I was lacking in that situation. I'm now seeking it through you. I'm seeking identity through you. I'm seeking purpose through you. I'm seeking love and validation through, um, through you. I'm seeking security through you. I'm seeking, you know, in, I'm seeking independence through you. I'm seeking deliverance from, through you. I'm seeking all these things. Appreciate you, Curtis, seeking all these things through you. And so because of that, help me, God, to, uh, to un as I've unpacked all this stuff by power of the Holy Spirit, checking me, reading me right, dead to rights, help me, God, to um, replace the bad habits that I've used to give myself these things, replace them with good habits. 
that allows me to be able to get these things that you have placed in me because these things are things you placed inside of me. God is, again, as eternity is wrought within us, I, we, we look for identity, we look for purpose, we look for security, we look for connection, we look for a sense of autonomy, we look for, um, you know, um, you know, for um, wisdom, we seek for, you know, um, for, uh, you know, um, attention, affection, um, purpose, vision, we're looking for all those different things, right? And so God is saying, you can have, you have all those things in me. You have all those things through me. And so now we ask God the question, how do I seek after these things in a way that glorifies you? How do I seek love in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek satisfaction in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek peace in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek purpose in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek security in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek validation in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek wisdom in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek autonomy in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek um, you know, connection with people, connection with myself in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek leisure in a way that glorifies God? How do I seek pleasure in a way that glorifies God? God does not want to withhold any of those things from us. He only says there are guardrails and boundaries by which I have set this world and there are ways in which to get the thing that you're looking for that glorifies me. So, once we then have established what it is that we want to be, we want to be more like God. I identify myself as a Christian. I identify myself as a child of the king. I identify myself as beloved. I identify myself as an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. I identify myself in the way that God sees me, in the way that God knows me, in the way that God loves me. And according to the scriptures, I now want to go about doing the things necessary to do to gain the things that he's that he has promised that I can have in a way that glorifies and honors him. And in doing so, I rewire my heart to the source who then empowers me to do the things that we do. So then in light of that, um, see if I can pull it up really quickly. Nope, that's not it. There we go. Um, that we then can utilize, you know, creating good habits and denouncing bad habits um, using, you know, a blueprint created by James Clear as a as a guide by which to put sin to death and set our affections and attentions on things above where Christ is. If we have been raised with Christ. We are set our minds on things above where Christ is while putting sin to death and putting on the righteousness that God has credited us. And so I'm just going to go through the steps really quick, you know, on how to create a good habit and how to create a bad habit and then kind of walk us through a, a version of this to help to have a better understanding of, of what this of what this does, of what how we can use this as the believers in God. It says to uh, um, it says um, 
the uh, first law is to make the um to make the the new habit you want to create obvious. The second law is to make it attractive. The third law is to make it easy, and the fourth law is to make it satisfying. That's to create a good one. To create a bad one, or to, to break a bad one, we got to make it invisible, make it unattractive, make it difficult, and make it unsatisfying. When it comes to creating a good habit, um, James Clear says, use implementation, implementation intentions. For example, I will do X at this time in this location, making it simple, making it very, very simple. Step, um, step three, step two of, of, of the first law is, is, is to use habit stacking. More and more words. After the first habit, I will then do the next habit. He then says to design your environment and make the cues of good habits obvious and visible. I mean, make, make it simple. Make it simple as all, as all get out. The next thing is to make it attractive. Use temptation bungling. Pair an action you want to do with an action you need to do. Join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. Create a motivation ritual. Do something you enjoy immediately before doing a difficult habit. The third law, make it easy, says to reduce friction. Decrease the number of steps between you and your good habit. Prime the environment. Prepare your environment to make future actions easier. Master the decisive movement. Optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact. Then use the two-minute rule. Downscale your habits until they can be done in two minutes or less. And automate your habits. Invest in technology and one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. Excuse me. The fourth is to make it satisfying. Use reinforcement. Give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit. Make doing nothing enjoyable. When avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. Use a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. Never miss twice. When you forget to do a habit, make sure you get back on track immediately. And I love that one because sometimes I'll get on a good habit and then I'll miss a day and start beating myself up. I'm like, oh my God, I missed a day. I must not want to do it. Nah, bro, just get back on the horse tomorrow. Like, stop that. How to break a bad habit. Make it invisible. Reduce exposure. Remove the cues of your bad habits from your environment. Make it unattractive. Reframe your mindset. Highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. Make it difficult. Increase the friction. Increase the number of steps between you and your bad habits. And use a commitment device. Restrict your future choices to the ones that benefit you. And make it unsatisfying. Get an accountability partner and ask someone to watch your behavior. Create a habit contract. Make the cost of your bad habits public and painful. And he says all of this in light of your identity. Who do you want to be? If you say that you want to be a child of God and you say that you want to be a believer, what do believers do? You want to be a believer. You want to be a child of God. You want to be an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. You want to be a partaker of the fellowship of the suffering. 
You want to be, you know, um, a child of the king. You want to be, you know, righteous. You want to be saved. You want to be delivered. You want to be, you know, you want to walk in freedom. Well, what do people who do, who are that, what do they do? What do they do to have it and to sustain it? And we know as the believers in God that we repent and believe. That's how we become it. And then we go through sanctification. That's how we stay in it. You know, not that we can be taken out of it because if you're gods, you're gods. But you're to stay in it, to stay a part of it. We go through sanctification and sanctification is such to where we are living out our identity. We're not just doing a bunch of do's and don'ts. We're living out an identity, being more like Christ. So what did Christ do? That when y'all remember that y'all remember that that um that, that that yellow wristband, what would Jesus do? Y'all remember that? It was funny, but it was real. What would Jesus do? If we don't know who Jesus is, we would we won't really know what he would do in situations and circumstances. And so again, you know, that's what sanctification is all about. If we're gonna be more like Jesus, we need to identify with Jesus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? How did Jesus live? How did Jesus pattern his life in such a way to where he was glorifying God in everything that he said and did? And if we pattern our lives after Christ, then the habits that we take on will reflect the identity that we have within. Remember, transformation is not from the outside in. Transformation is from the inside out. You have to identify with Christ. I identify with Christ. I abide in Christ. I live in Christ. Christ lives in me. He is above. He is beneath. He is inside. He's inside and he's outside of, of, of my entire existence. And as a result, everything that I am, he is. Everything that he is, I am. I want to be aligned with him so much so that when people see me, yes, they see Jesus. That's what that's what I that's that's the type of life that we want to live as believers. And as a result, the I if we identify with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I died. I I crucified I'm crucified. My flesh is crucified, and it's now the spirit that lives and not me. We then have the blueprint. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus run to drugs to satisfy or to, no, no, here we go. Would Jesus run to drugs to satisfy an itch of having a good time or to numb away pain? No, he wouldn't. Would Jesus run to sex as a means of trying to, you know, use people for own personal gain or to numb away pain or to be, you know, to or to be gratified with someone who is not his, who is not his bride? No. No. Would Jesus climb the social the, the 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 corporate ladder, stepping down on people, crushing their necks, proverbially speaking, in an attempt to become the top dog? No. He would work that job with integrity. He would do his he would do his best. And when the time came for the promotion, he'd present his case, and they either for it or against him. He'd work the job with integrity. Would, you know, Jesus cheat on his spouse? 
No. Jesus would, you know, talk about the, 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 if, if there's any issues going on, you know, talk freely about those issues and find a way to resolve those issues to stay, um, to stay in fidelity, to stay in fidelity with, um, with his spouse. You know, if, you know, no bills got to be paid, would God spend money that he ain't got on something that he doesn't need? No. Spend money with integrity. So as we discover what the things that Jesus would do are, we then ask the question, how can I begin the process of becoming the person that I want to be? And break those steps down into their tiniest parts to where we're now walking those things out in such a way to where we're, ple we're pleasing and satisfying to God. Prime example, I love reading, but anytime that I read, I go to sleep. Like, I just, I get really sleepy, so it's been, it's been really difficult for me to read books, because I, when I'm reading a book, my brain be like, ooh, yeah, sleepy time, gone. And so, as I, my desire is to read more books, you know, I can't read in a position where I'm sitting down. And I was like, well, I can't read in the car. And I'm not really a big fan of audiobooks because I get distracted too easily uh, with audiobooks. And so um, I got a treadmill that I walk on every day. Get a good, before I was doing these lives here, you know, I was walking, um, you know, on the treadmill and talking to y'all. And, you know, you know, it was fun. But again, I can't get halfway good, decent internet connection nowadays. So, you know, it is what it is. And that's why I'm sitting down now. Um, but I got a treadmill back there. And I walk on the treadmill at least half an hour a day. And so what the what Atomic Habits said is pair a desired habit with one you're already doing. So what I did is I put the book that I want to read on the treadmill. So that every time I'm on the treadmill, the book is right there. And all I got to do is crack it open and read it. And because I'm moving, I'm less inclined to fall asleep, which allows me to actually read whole chapters on the treadmill while, you know, while walking. And that has allowed me to be able to do a whole lot more reading than I've ever done before. Be, read, get to the point where I'm reading a whole bunch of more scripture than I've ever read before. Because I'm actually attentive to what I'm reading and it's not, it's not, I'm not going to end up falling asleep because I'm reading it. That is how that works. As for, as for, so for the believers in God, what are you already doing that is glorifying God and how can we build upon that? And in doing so, how can we break away from the bad habits that we are, that we are, you know, that we're in? You know, we have a lot of bad things that we do w without question. What are we doing to separate ourselves and make those bad habits invisible? Taking the cues away that would cause us to want to fall into diverse temptations. You know, if, you know, having, you know, um, you know, loose sex with this person, that person, because you have an itch to scratch is a problem. Then, you know, are you deleting people out of your phones? Are you deleting the apps? 
Are you are you restricting access to those apps? You know, <clears throat> are you, you know, removing people from your social media accounts? You know, are you removing the social media accounts? Because sometimes we can't even go on the social media accounts, especially nowadays, now that everybody's trying to become an OnlyFans, you know, uh, megastar. You know, we definitely get, sometimes we got to get away from them doggone, um, them social media accounts, man, because them, them jokers, they're vultures now. Um... But you know, are you staying? Are you are you restricting access to those things? I'm not saying that, it, that this is a one size fits all for everyone, but for some people, that's what it takes. You gotta cut your hand off if it offends you, so that way you can stay in lockstep with God. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna feel restricted. Then I guess you don't wanna be a, you don't wanna be like Christ that badly, because if you wanna be like Christ. You'll do whatever it takes. Because again, we're dying to self. Our agenda, our desires, our what no, if if we don't if we want to be in this thing, we gotta decide we're gonna be in this thing. And do whatever it takes to cut off. We gotta cut off friends, gotta cut off loved ones. You know, if, if our spouses are causing us to fall into sin, you know, we gotta think about, hey, you know, maybe we just ain't meant to be because you caused me to be in spiritual infidelity with with the with the Savior. And this ain't the math ain't mathing on this. And so, you know, whatever we have to do in order to become more like Christ, because at the end of the day, whatever whatever is in the way, Christ says, remove it in order to get to where we wanna be. And so that's a, a, a huge drive by of breaking bad habits. Um, and, and bringing on good ones. But the point of it all is that we are all in active spiritual warfare. We are putting sin to death and delighting in God at the same time. And it requires us to identify with Christ, to, to be one with Christ, to align with Christ, to abide in Christ in such a way to where he is preeminent in our lives. And as his preeminence rules and abounds in us, we decide what is what 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 are we going to stand for? What are we going to stand against? What does he love? What does he hate? What is he in for? What is he out for? And as a result, decide what do I need to break away from in order to bring new things in in order to be more like Christ. Because if I identify with Christ, I'm recognizing that I've died to self. Self is no longer here. It is Christ that lives in me. It's the spirit that lives in me. I live for the spirit of God lives in me. So how does Christ want me to be so that I can delight in him and reflect his renown throughout the world, glorifying him in everything that I say and do? You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Thank you guys for the 1,200 likes that we have received today. Going to scroll through these comments um, and see what's going on down here. In the comments, um, I thank you again, Curtis Wesley, for the um, for the gifts. I really do appreciate y'all. Um, gotcha girl said she's reading um, living uh, reading Mary, a life in a Martha world. Uh, reading living a Mary life in a Martha world. Um, I love that. I, lo I, lo I love just the title. Um, so that's, um, I love that. Um, let's see.
chairperson forehead asked me the question, did I grow up Christian? Um, I did, but it was more of a religious of, of a religious nature and not an actual relationship with Jesus Christ. My relationship truly with Jesus did not begin until 2014. Um, um, let me see if it's here. Yep. Um, I didn't start my relationship with God, my real relationship with God until 2014. Um, in 2014, my wife and I were going through um, what would be a, a, the first of series of issues that we finally have overcome about a year and some change ago. Um, but it launched um, this this journey with God, and this was the book that started it all for me, called The Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson. Um, this book right here put everything that I had heard about Christ together in a way that I finally understood the gospel. No one had ever told me what the gospel was prior to this book. Every church that I'd gone to, every pastor I'd heard, every person that had spoken to me, you know, if I heard it, I didn't hear it. But this book, God bless, the, God bless this man, bless these men for inspiring them to write this book because this book finally put the gospel in full display for me and help me to understand what I'm reading in the scriptures. And so, um, and that, that started in 2014. So I grew up in the church, but I didn't grow up with the Lord. You know, I grew up in the church, but I didn't grow up with Christ. Um, you know, I grew up with the 10 commandments. I grew up with the beatitudes. I grew up with, you know, thou shalt nots and thou shalt, but I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know him. I was preaching and didn't know the Lord. I was preaching the same doctrines, but didn't know the Lord. And so this book changed my entire life. It changed the way that I view God. It changed the way that I view man. It changed the way that I view Christ. It changed the way that I viewed how people um, get into the kingdom. Like it changed all of that. Like I used to be the type of person to say, you got to clean up all your mess so you can try to get in. 99 and a half won't do. I'm running trying to make 100. Like I used to, I used to believe that. You know, I'm trying to get to the A. I'm trying to get to the A. So I hope God doesn't strike me down. I hope God doesn't kill me. God, please don't let me sin tonight before I go to bed. Because if I sin before I go to bed, you might not let me into the kingdom. I used to be plumb terrified. That fear that we were talking about earlier, used to have so much anxiety about the Lord. That ain't our God. That's not how he operates. That's not how he rolls. Again, he's terror. He's awesome. He's a terror. He can be a terror, but he draws near. He uses his he uses the the reverential fear to draw us near to him. I didn't understand that until this book. This book changed my entire my entire perspective. The scales were taken off my eyes. The the Holy Spirit spoke to me through this book and everything was verified in scripture, lined up word for word for word. And so again, um I so I grew up in church. But I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't grow up a Christ follower. Like I, I sometimes even don't like using the word Christian nowadays because everybody say they use that synonymously in our American culture with being a Republican nowadays, and I ain't ain't nobody got time for that. Um, and so you know, I just I consider myself a Christ follower. I'm a follower of Jesus, you know. But again, at saying all that to say, um, no, I I grew up in church, but I didn't grow up a believer in Christ. Um, I believed in me and was trying to wrap it up in Christianese, but I didn't believe in Christ until 2014. Um, it was around April of 2014, April or May of 2014, that I really believed. No, 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 no. Uh, March, I think, of 2014 
when I really believed in Jesus Christ. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok um, Live. We're certainly grateful for every person who has come on the live today um, and grateful that you guys have given us enough time um, to be able to um, just spend some time with y'all. Um, really do appreciate y'all so, so much for giving us this opportunity to be able to um, to talk with y'all today. Um, I reached the end. Oh, man. Okay. Let me back up then. Um, again, uh, the book, The Explicit Gospel, is written by Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson. Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson are the authors of The Explicit Gospel. Um... Wickerman says any God that creates billions of people he knows will end up in hell is an evil God. Um, you are welcome to your opinion. Um, and y'all heard me say this a million times, and I'm going to say it again. I am in no position to tell God how to run his universe. He is the creator. So I am in no position to tell the creator how to run his creation. That's point number one. Point number two. And this is, I, lo I love this, I love this point. Because it really shows how much God loves us. Now, I won't presume on how to explain how God knows everything because there there's a person or people who can kind of explain it a whole lot better than I can but they but the way they explained it made sense like so much sense I'm like dude I never thought about it like that and it makes sense but I'm not going to try to explain it cuz I am going to mess that up what I'll do instead is I'll try to find where they got where I got my the explanation for it from and if I can remember to bring it back to y'all I will so I'm not going but I'm not going to try to explain it cuz I know I'm going to butcher it Shoot, I'm going to try anyway. So the way that he explained it is, it's not so much that God knows everything as if, as if he knows all the decisions that we're going to make, despite the fact that he sees everything and is, in, in, is, is, is devoid of time. Like he sees the end before the beginning and all that. But it's about the fact that he knows us so well that he knows what we're going to do before we do it. It's almost like <laughs> it's my wife. Um, she had chosen a pair. She had chosen a pair of shoes that she wanted to wear to work today, based upon what I was going, what I was going to choose to be the pair of shoes that she was going to wear. But she also chose another pair. So she put one of the pair, one shoe on one foot and the other pair shoe on the other foot. And she came to me and said, um, I just want to see if I'm right. Which shoe do, 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 which shoe, do, which shoe should I wear today? She knows me enough to know what I'm going to pick before I pick it. And so I picked the left shoe and she said, I knew it. She knew me well enough to know what I was going to do before I did it. 
That's the character and the nature of God. He knows us so well that he knows what we're going to do before we do it with the free will that he's given us. I could have easily have chosen the right shoe. But she knows me enough to know I wasn't going to pick the right sh- I wasn't going to pick the right shoe. I picked the left one. And she knew I was going to pick the left one. How she knew that, I didn't ask. But how she knew that is based on how she knows me. That is how our God operates. He knows us so well that he knows what we're going to do before we do it. Not saying that he doesn't already know everything that's going to happen from now to the end of time. He knows that. But he also knows us in such an intimate way that in the free will that he gives us, he knows as it stands today, the type of person that you are, the type of things that you like, the type of things that you don't like, the type of things that you do, the type of things that you don't do, I can pretty much guess what you're going to do. Just like with you coming on the live, Wickerman, and saying, Any God that creates billions of people he knows will end up in hell as an evil God. God knew that you were going to come on this live or this live is going to show up in your feed today. And he knew that you were going to make that comment, make that statement. He already knew that because he knows you and he knows how you think. He knows how you feel. He knows how you act. And he knows where you stand with him. And that brings me to the final point. The point that I love so much about God. God loves us so much. That he gives us the free will. To decide whether or not we're going to follow him. And in that free will. He says to us. If you don't love me now. In this life. Why would I force you to love me. Forever. In the life to come. The math don't math on that. We want heaven. We want all the good stuff. We want the pleasures forevermore. But we don't want the Lord of the pleasures. Because I just can't understand why God who can create billions of people that are going to end up in hell. That seems evil to me. They didn't love him. That's why they're going to hell. They chose to align themselves against him. God is so good, he even built in a failsafe for those who don't believe in him, for those who never get to know who he is, like Jesus, like to get the gospel heard to them. He even built in a a failsafe for them. If we go to Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 3, he tells us in the word there. He's he's even got a a failsafe for them, for those who never get a chance to hear him. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have clearly have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they're without excuse 
Then in chapter 3, no, I'm, I'm sorry, not in chapter 3, chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 2. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, and in it they're talking about, you know, Jesus Christ. They're talking about Jesus Christ. By nature, do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Verse 25, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, Will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code in circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward or physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And so even for those who never get to hear about who Jesus is, there is a certain intrinsic morality that all of us have. And if we follow that faithfully, and we've never heard of who Jesus is, we've never heard of God, we no, there's no, you go to all these different, you know, um, you know, worlds where they don't have access to internet, they have no access to a Bible, they have no access to the gospel, and all the centuries before us and the centuries after us who've never heard of him, there is a fail-safe that God has given them that says the law that they have in their hearts, the moral code that they have in their hearts, if they follow that without ever having heard of me, then I will decide whether they're in or out. That's God's work. That's not my work. So, again, anyone who's not in the kingdom is not in the kingdom by choice. You're choosing to not have a relationship with God and setting yourself on a throne and putting God in your judgment, calling God evil. That's blasphemous. And there is a place reserved for blasphemy. But again... At the end of the day, only a heart that's not transformed by God would say such a thing to begin with. And as a result of that, why would God then sentence you to an eternity with him? If you think God is so evil, why would God then sentence you to live with him forever? That doesn't make sense. And our God is not such to where he would do that to you. And the reason why he knows what you're going to do is because he knows you he formed you in your mother's womb that's a connection that's a relationship god knowing us is not just about head knowledge of intellectual facts and data it's about a relational connection there's a relational connection too and that relational connection is much deeper 
than the intellectual one. Mind you, God's mind is far more superior than any computer on the planet. But his relational connection to us is how he knows us. And he knows us so intimately that he can pretty much guess what you're going to do from one day to the next. And as you change and as you grow and as you mature, so do your thoughts and your, your actions and your choices change. And God can see it and God can pretty much guess what shoe you're going to choose, left or right. That's why. God does what he does. He loves us so much so that he's not going to force you to love him back. He's just going to extend his arms wide open and say, do you want me or not? But there are consequences to the choices that you make. And the problem with our generation is we don't want to have the consequences. We want to have the cake and the ice cream and the balloons and, you know, and everything else in between. And we don't want any consequences for our actions. We want to just, we want to just run rampant and break every boundary that God has created for us in order to have the flourishing, the, 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 the flourishing of human life. And, but then get mad with him when we break the law, break the code and be, and, oh, why would you put me in hell? Dude, you don't want nothing to do with him. Why would he put you in heaven? You don't want him. You want his stuff, but you don't want him. The whole point of this exercise, can we can we can we can we be family today? The whole point of this exercise is that when we go to heaven, we get to be with the Lord. That's the whole point. It's not about the streets of gold. It's not about the the holy Jerusalem. It's not about living forever. It's not about any of that stuff. We get to be with Jesus. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If you don't want him now, why would he sentence you to that? That's evil. If I were to be married to somebody who did not love me, that would not be a happy marriage. Why would I want to stay in that? No, man. If, if, my, if my wife is out cheating with this dude and that dude and this person and that person... What kind of marriage is that? I wouldn't want to stay in that. Why would God want to sentence you to a life with him forever if you don't love him? You don't want him. You don't want to have anything to do with him. Make that make sense. You're in a lifeless marriage and a lifeless relationship or on a, in a lifeless job. You don't want to stay there. You don't want to be there. Why would you set yourself up for something like that if that's not what you want? So why would God then sentence you? Because that's what it would end up being. A life, a life, everlasting life sentence with him. Because that's the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is not paradise. Paradise is a very, very nice consolation prize or a bonus or icing on the cake. But the cake is Jesus. Living forever is nice, but I'm with Jesus. That's the point of the exercise. And what loving father would force his child to want to be with him when the child is saying, I don't want nothing to do with you. F you. 
Because that's what y'all keep saying. He's an evil God. F God. How blasphemous is that? But God's like, cool. You want nothing to do with me? Alright. But don't expect me to bring you into the kingdom of heaven. Why would I do that? Why would I bring you in? You don't want anything to do with me now. Make that make sense. Because again, at the end of the day, if you don't want anything to do with him now, in the free will that you have, if you don't want anything to do with him now, why would God have you to do have have anything to do with him in the life to come? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And for anyone who's constantly on here saying, God's an evil God, that's what's up, bruh. That's what's up. Only God can fix that. I'm not going to try to convince you. All I can do is tell you what I know. And what I know is the God that we serve is not evil. But I can't make you see that. I can't make you love him. I can't make you serve him. I can't make you honor him. I can't make you see what I see. I can't make you know what I know. That's God's word. And God already knows what it's going to take in order for you to finally say yes to him. And so until and unless he presents that to you, stay stuck. I'm praying for your heart, praying for your soul, praying for your mind that God will wake you up and show you that this evilness that you're referring to, that ain't him. That's how you've interpreted who he is rather than letting the man speak for himself. But again, that's God's work. Because like I said, I thought I knew about him too. And then God, you know, just happened to throw a book at me. And what I thought I knew, I had no idea. Listen, I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I see we got 53 new comments after the one that Wickerman wrote. I'm going to read them, but I got to get out of here. I love you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for the 1,400 likes. Thank you so much for your comments. Thank you for the gifts today. Know that no dime that's collected today is going to me. It's all going to the True Gospel Ministry to keep up our subscriptions with the website as well as the um, the, um, the, uh, the podcast that we have. Um, so again, whatever gifts you decide to give, by all means, keep giving them, keep giving them. I love y'all so, so much for giving those gifts because again, all this is going straight toward the True Gospel Ministry to ensure that we keep our websites up, that we keep our um, podcast up. And so I thank y'all so, so much for your gift giving on today. None of that goes to me. I make my own money, pay my own bills, got my own job. So y'all are not paying Eddie Williams. So don't even think, don't, don't worry about this money going to me. It's all going straight to the ministry. Um, Again, thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for staying on the live with me today. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the follows. Thank you for the shares. I love you guys so, so much. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.